Crosby joins the show today at 3.15. And when is this guy ever going to score a normal goal? Behind the net, out of the air, vertical, horizontal. Yo, how about just a blast from the top of the circle? A tip-in, maybe. Of course, I'm not complaining. I don't care. It's not how, it's how many. But against the old enemy, against Philadelphia, too much is never enough. Sid certainly subscribes to that when the Flyers are the opponent. He's got 93 points in 63 career games against the Flyers. That's in the regular season. In 17 career playoff games against Philadelphia, Sid's got 9 goals and 14 assists. 23 points. Not too bad. So we got Sid at 315. We got Coach Mike Sullivan at 530. It's the best hockey talk in Pittsburgh. And you can hear it only right here on 105.9 The X. The score from the Etihad in Manchester is uh, City 1, Liverpool 0. City scored in the first minute to cut the aggregate deficit to 3-1. And I am defecating Tiffany Cufflinks, needless to say. The number to call is 412-333-WXDX. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. Derek Broussard practiced today. And it certainly looks like he's going to play tomorrow in game one against the Flyers. Uh, somebody asked me if I'd yet seen the movie Chappaquiddick. I have not. I'm waiting for the 3D version where you're right there in the car and you can drown with Mary Jo Kopechny while Ted Kennedy goes home and has a drink. Uh, Felipe Rivero has changed his name to Felipe Vasquez, the Pirates' closer. He's not Felipe Vasquez because that's his sister's name. Why does his sister have a different name? Shouldn't they have the same name? Maybe she got married. At any rate, it's not going to help jersey sales that much. What if he sucks now as Felipe Vasquez? That would be so Pirates. But all focus must be on the Penguins and Flyers. Sidney Crosby joins me at 3.15, a little over 10 minutes away. And you know what this series reminds me of? It reminds me of the Pens and Flyers in 1989. That series in the second round. The Pens were getting better. It was their first playoff since Mario joined the team. The Penguins swept the Rangers in the first round. It seemed like the Penguins were about to turn a corner, and the Flyers wouldn't let them. The Penguins led that series three games to two, but the Flyers won in seven, winning game seven, 4-1 at Pittsburgh Civic Arena. I'm not comparing these Flyers to those Penguins. And certainly the window ultimately did open for those Penguins. But the Flyers are better than they have been the last couple years. The Pens need to show the Flyers they ain't there yet. The Flyers can score, but to play that kind of game against the Penguins, like the Flyers got to do, I don't see how the Flyers can win that kind of battle. Look at the games this year in the regular season. 5-4, 5-1, 5-2, The Penguins went 4-0 and just kept scoring five goals every game. I'm sure Claude Giroux of the Flyers feels like he has something to prove in this series. Remember back in 2012 when Laviolette coached the Flyers and he called Giroux the best player in the world? 
And that idiot from the Philly paper, Carcini, he said Crosby passed the baton to Giroux as the world's best player. Well, it didn't really work out that way, did it? Uh, But this year, Giroux finished second in the league with 102 points. Six behind Connor McDavid. He had 13 more points than Crosby. And nobody is saying that Giroux is better than Crosby. And Giroux isn't better than Sid, but uh, Giroux can't even make his stats talk very loud. The Flyers can score, no question. They play a lot like the Penguins, only worse. If the Penguins could just pay more attention to detail on defense and not make turnovers at the blue lines, the Penguins will win and probably win pretty easy. But the Flyers can't score in transition. They are dangerous in transition. The Penguins need to deprive those opportunities. But outside their top two, the Flyers suck on defense. Manning, Sanheim, McDonald, that Duster, Radko, Gudas. That is the biggest advantage the the Penguins have. The Pens forwards against the Flyers defensemen. And that's not just when the Pens are in possession. Those Flyers defensemen have a lot of trouble getting out of the zone. Those defensemen, besides Gostas, Bear, and Provorov, are not very good with puck management. The Flyers fans keep citing 2012. That playoff series where the Penguins mentally and emotionally collapsed. And they're posting the video of Giroux nailing Sid with a pretty good check in 2012. In that series, that video is all over social media. Like that has some relevance. Sid seems to have recovered nicely from that hit. Thanks very much. A a couple other topics uh, out there besides uh, the Penguins and Flyers, although certainly that is our main focus, especially with Sidney Crosby joining me at 315 and Coach Mike Sullivan joining me at 530. But I got to give Odell Beckham Jr. credit. I posted a blog about this on the Mark Madden page at the X website. OBJ thinks he's underpaid at $8 million and change in the last year of his contract. And he is. And OBJ was talking about not showing up for this and not showing up for that. But the Giants right now are having their OTAs. And Beckham showed up. Lev Bell should learn a lesson from that. Nobody does much at OTAs, and you don't have to do everything or even anything. Just being there is what counts. It says something to the fans. It says something to the team. It makes the media not aggravate you as much. Again, it's a good PR move on Beckham's part, a show of good faith. The fans especially are going to like that. Like I said, Odell Beckham Jr., could learn from OBJ. Now here's a mixed bag kind of thing. The Philadelphia 76ers have won 14 straight games. They've now won 50 games on the season. They might wind up with the number three seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So I'm happy for TJ McConnell, the kid from Shar Valley. He's a member of the Sixers, except that Markel Fultz is now healthy 
their first-round pick, and so TJ's minutes are way down. But TJ will be ready when the Sixers need him. I can promise you that, and they will need him probably sooner than later. Uh, 412-333-9939, just around the corner. It's Sidney Crosby. No longer Sid the Kid now. Sid the 30-year-old. Boy, it really does seem like only yesterday, but uh, Sid's a long way from finished, and certainly this season is a heck of a long way from finished. want to hear what Sid has to say about the relation between the 2012 series and this series, because there isn't one. Uh, like I said yesterday, I heard that dink on the NHL Network. Mike Johnson, what a tool. He said the Flyers should rattle the Penguins just like they did in 2012 and that it would work again. Like winning the last two Cups in a row hasn't proven the Penguins have learned a bit about focus since 2012. Seriously, what a jerk. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Sidney Crosby up next. The Penguins captain on 1059. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, hey. Super genius, big, big fan. See, you're just screwing with me. You're doing a good job, but you're just screwing with me, right? The X at 105.9. My guest right now is looking for a fourth Stanley Cup ring on top of two Olympic gold medals, a World Cup, and a whole bunch of MVPs. There is only one world. There is only one world's best hockey player. There is only one Sidney Crosby. Uh, Sid, uh, I just learned a little bit ago you sent a personal message to each survivor of the Junior A bus crash in Saskatchewan, the Humboldt Broncos. Uh, that tragedy really hits home, doesn't it? Uh, every hockey player rides the bus. Yeah, it certainly does. It's, uh, it's a terrible tragedy. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, as hockey players growing up and playing minor hockey or junior hockey, um, you know, you certainly have some memories of being on the bus and being with your friends and being excited for games and road trips and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's just a terrible situation, and I think everyone's really trying to rally around them and, and do everything they can. Now, turning to the playoffs, uh, when are you going to score a normal goal? You're batting the puck in, you're scoring from behind the net. When are you going to score, like, a, a wrist shot maybe? Tomorrow would be a good good time to start, I think. Um, it, it really would be. It doesn't be. matter. It doesn't matter. I think as long as it finds the back of the net, but uh, there's definitely been some some good chances there that would have liked to have put in that I didn't, and then some nicer ones that have gone in. So uh, as long as they go over the line, that's all I all I care about. Well, well, to be serious, those goals are great, and it begs the question: How much do you practice hitting pucks out of the air and those bank shots? And how would you even practice those things? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you really practice that specifically i think you just you work on rebounds and tips and things like that and then you know sometimes playing out uh playing out rebounds or tough angles um just trying to to make it as game-like as possible and sometimes you end up getting a few of those looks and it doesn't happen that often but when you do if you're able to to put them in it's great so that's really the way it's kind of worked out but um yeah you're always kind of working on different things and around the net that's just kind of a a product of it for the first time since 2012 the penguins in philadelphia play in the playoffs and 2012 did not go well do you see any connection between then and now that that's a long time ago yeah i think you know i think there's a few players that are still on both teams that uh 
you know, still remember that series. It was a crazy series, you know, a lot of goals and fights and suspensions and uh, a lot that went into it. But, um, yeah, I think there's been a lot of change too. And, um, yeah, I think that, you know, the rosters have changed a lot for both teams and I'm sure the mentality for both teams will be a little bit different, but that emotion, that intensity is always there between the two teams. And, you know, I would expect that to be, to be very similar. You have 116 points in 80 career games against the Flyers. Uh, that includes playoffs. How's that happen? What makes you so successful against one team in particular? Uh, I don't have a great explanation. I don't really, um, I don't really think about that a whole lot going, you know, game to game. I think, you know, the fact that we've played each other a lot, um, and with, you know, the rivalry, um, being what it, what it has been and continues to be, I think that, you know, it brings out the best in both teams. I think both teams are ready to play against each other, regardless of the situation or the time of year or playoffs or regular season. So I think that's just, you know, uh, that's just the way that, you know, the rivalry goes. Both teams are at their best and they know they have to be ready. And that's, you know, probably been this, the, you know, the case for me. Uh, Claude Drew had a heck of a season, didn't he? Uh, what's it like to kind of match up against him in this series? Yeah, he did. He, you know, he was consistent and, um, you know, scored some big goals for them. I think that, that whole line, uh, I'm not sure if they're playing together with, uh, Couturier and, I know Borchek was there for a little bit and, um, there were some different guys that kind of moved in and out, but, um, yeah, they've, uh, they've definitely got some depth there and, um, you know, they had a really good finish this season, but he's, uh, he's been leading the way all year. So, um, you just have to be ready to compete. I mean, whether it's, you know, opposing center or deep pairings, uh, line matchups, I think this time of year, it's just about competing. Do you guys talk about the rivalry with the Flyers, like when you're in the room, or is that just sort of something that happens once you get out on the ice? Uh, yeah, we don't talk about it a whole lot. I mean, for guys who have been around here for a while, they understand it. I think for guys who are new and uh, haven't experienced a lot of games um, and certainly the playoff series against them, I think, you know, you, you feel that pretty quickly in the games with the emotion, the intensity. So um, I think that's just, just something that as a player, you're out there and you feel it and you understand it pretty quickly. And uh, there's not a lot of talking about it. You know, guys will talk the odd time about uh, that series and how crazy it was and, everything that came along with it. But uh, besides that, I don't think uh, he really talked about the rivalry a whole lot. The fans in Philadelphia really roast you, so you have that to look forward to for games three <laughs> and four. Do you hear that when you're out there, Sid? And, and wouldn't they be smarter to leave you alone? I always say, don't poke the bear. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just that's all I know, to be honest with you. It's kind of always, it's, it's always been like that. So, um, yeah, I just... You know, I think going into the game, you're you're preparing the same way, and it's just something that uh, that's part of it. But um, yeah, I think that's something that you know you have to use as motivation and try to go out there and um, be at your best. And regardless of what's said or what you hear, um, you know, usually when you're into the game, you don't really pay attention to that stuff a whole lot. After winning the last two cups. Was this ever going to be like a great regular season, like 115 points or whatever? I, I mean, don't get me wrong, 100 points is very good, but it seems like you guys still have an extra gear you can get to, and maybe you too. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that you know it's a process, and you know we definitely had some turnover uh, this summer, and um, you know when it comes to roles and things like that, and 
team identity. That's stuff that you have to develop over the course of the year, and expectations are high, but, um, you know, there is a process there. And, you know, even looking at last year, you look at it, we continue to improve, you know, even from the first round to the finals. So I think um, we've got to continue to get better with each game and adjust and and that kind of thing. But, you know, that's that's really what it's about is, is getting better even at this point in the year. So we had a good uh, stretch of games there late the last month important hockey games that we need to get points in and we played uh, some solid teams and, and played well so um, that should give us a boost but you know we definitely can find another level here heading into the playoffs. The Penguins play a very high risk style high risk high reward will that change at all in the playoffs the playoffs are usually a bit tighter do you think you guys will take less risk? Yeah I mean I don't I don't know if we like to, to think we play too risky of a game I think you know, we definitely have some guys who can, um, you know, make plays out there and can kind of um, read the play and, and uh, you know, maybe I don't want to say take a risk because it's pretty calculated, I think, for the most part when you're thinking about some of the offensive guys that we have. But, um, you know, you look at a guy like Tanger who plays as well as he does defensively. He's smart and knows when to join the rush, and I don't necessarily see that as being a risk, but... Um, you know, I think that that's important to play tight defense and worry about that first and then let the offense take care of itself. So I think that'll be our approach. And for the most part, I think we've been pretty good at that. But, um, you know, it's it's definitely important come playoff time to, to take care of your own end first. We're talking to Penguins captain Sidney Crosby here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9. Uh, you're currently skating on a line with uh, Gensel and Rust. Uh, you're a finicky guy to skate with. We've talked about that. Talk about what those two bring to the table and uh, how you feel that you three are playing together right now? Yeah, I mean, Gens is, uh, you know, he's fast. Uh, he's got some really good hockey sense. He knows those areas to go to. And um, he's not the biggest guy, but he, he goes to the front of the net a lot. And he, he gets, you know, those loose pucks in and around the net, um, but also makes uh, a lot of plays too. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's what he brings. And Rusty brings a ton of speed. Uh, he brings the puck to the net. Uh, does a lot off the rush and, uh, you know, pushes, pushes guys back a lot. So, uh, I think we've, we've developed a little bit of chemistry. We played together for a little bit, uh, towards the end of the year. And, uh, like a lot of lines, I think it's been, uh, pretty consistent here down the stretch. So, um, I think that's, that's a good thing. That's always a good sign. And, um, we'll look to try to, try to continue that going in the playoffs here. Do you like Sully, uh, putting, uh, you, Phil and Gino on different lines? Uh, do you think that really is that hard to match up against if you're the other team? Um, yeah, I mean, it just depends. I mean, I think that um, games are different and the flow of games and special teams, depending on what happens there. Um, obviously, Phil and Phil and Gino have played together a lot at different points and, and done really well, too. So, you know, whether whether we're all on different lines or, you know, those two are together or you know, whatever the combinations are, we're, we're all pretty familiar, but, um, you know, I think that they've played pretty good together too. So, you know, however it ends up, I mean, uh, I think we're, you know, we're okay as far as chemistry and things like that, because so many guys have played together at different points. Talk about the power play, uh, number one in the league, best ever in Penguins history. And I've never seen a power play that's so patient that just waits and looks and seems to really ascertain that perfect moment time and again. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have um, some guys who provide different things, and, um, you know, 
some some great shots um, from different areas of the ice, and obviously with Horny and what he does in front of the net and the way he competes on pucks and things like that, he he creates a lot. Um, you know, even out of nothing plays, he's able to get pucks back and you know keep plays alive. So that's huge too. But um, you know, whether it's Phil or Geno shooting or Tang or Schulte up top, um, they've got big shots too. So. I think that, uh, yeah, you've got to be able to adjust and be versatile, and I think we've done a pretty good job of that, and it'll become even more important come playoff time. You don't get as many power plays in the playoffs and not as easy to you know, to get that rhythm that you might get in the regular season when you're getting you know, four, five, six maybe in a game, and um, you know, they'll be important. So we'll look to, to make sure that we can try to be a difference there. Is there more pressure to win again because you're trying to make history? first time three in a row since 1982, or is there less pressure because you've won the last two Cups? Uh, I think there's always pressure. I mean, the expectations are always high. and um, You know, I think that giving the opportunity to play in the playoffs, although we've been fortunate enough to be there a lot, I think um, you, know, you still can't take that for granted. So I think there's there's always pressure, and with our team, the expectations are always high. So regardless of what happened the last couple of years or or anything, I think that, you know, the fact that we have a possibility to get three, um, there's probably a ton of different storylines, but I think that there's always pressure and um, it's a great opportunity that you want to, you want to make the most of. So I think that's, that's more how we look at it. How do you guys feel now? And you personally, what's the fatigue factor after all these games over the last three years? Uh, I feel good. I mean, I think that as a group, uh, we feel good. I mean, when you're playing, you know, the important games down the stretch, that kind of gets you into that, that playoff mentality. And once you get to this point of the season, uh, I think you feel pretty energized. You're excited for, you know, the opportunity to play in the playoffs and uh, the important games that, you know, that are ahead. And I think all that combined, um, you get excited for that. And I feel like we are. So, um like you said, we, we definitely uh, need to find another level. I think every team looks at that going into the playoffs. And, um, yeah, that's exactly what, what we're looking for as well. What was it like to play all 82 games in a season for the first time in your career? I bet that meant a lot to you. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I felt like I didn't play 82 a couple times just because I ended up maybe resting for the last game or it might have been some, you know, a situation like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you you wanna you wanna play as many as you can, and you, you know you try to take care of yourself to give yourself the best chance to do that. And sometimes, even doing that, um, it doesn't allow you to to play them all. But um, yeah, it's 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 great to be able to to put a full season together. That's for sure. Okay, now we got to go to the traditional uh, interview ending questions. Have you added any superstitions? Because uh, that McDonald's logo thing is still going really strong, isn't it? I haven't. I'm sure if, if I did that you would have noticed it anyway. That That's quite possible. How, have you put a count on your superstitions? How many uh, like do you indulge before a game? <laughs> I haven't put a count, but I don't know like where the where you draw the line before, you know between a superstition and a you know part of the routine is I don't I don't know what counts as what. So Yeah, so we're uh, talking maybe hundreds the way you're 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 There'd be a number of them, yeah. Anything life-altering? Engaged, married, joined social media, anything like that? No, I don't have nothing for you there. Okay. Any good movies lately? Now, you had to watch Darkest Hour, the Churchill movie. I thought of you when I saw it. That's right up your alley. 
I did see that. Yeah, it was it was okay. It was okay. Um, right now, I haven't seen much lately. I was looking to see that. Uh, I think it's twelve strong. Haven't, I haven't seen, seen it that yet, but uh, that's what I'm looking to see. Uh, now, getting back to hockey, you got to feel good about these playoffs, right? I mean, you know what to do. The guys know what to do. That experience is so big, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it helps. I mean, the, you know, it's the best time of the year. This is what, you know, you prepare for and play for all year long to give yourself this opportunity. And um, it's exciting. And it definitely helps to have experience. And, you know, we have guys who have been there. But, you know, the great thing about it is is it doesn't guarantee anything either. So, uh, you still got to go out there and play and execute and, you know, do all the things that are important to winning games. And, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's great to have the experience and there's lots of teams and players who played in the playoffs that have experience too. But, um, yeah, come playoff time, it's a fresh start and you get excited for, for the opportunity you have. Listen, this has been great as always. Uh, just one final thing about this series against Philadelphia. You know you can't lose, and the shorter the better. I, I just kind of had to say that. Sid, uh, thanks so much, and I'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. That is the great Sidney Crosby, the Penguins captain. When his career's done, I'm going to sit him down, and we're going to count the superstitions. I bet they do number, maybe not in the hundreds, but certainly in the dozens. If you tuned in a bit late, we'll have the Sid podcast posted at the X website in just a few. And don't forget, we have Mike Sullivan at 5.30, the Penguins coach, and also Stan Saverin at 4.30. I'm about to turn the Liverpool game back on. You will know the score by my mood after the commercial break. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Thank you. I want to say, hail, Mark. I would rather give myself a colonoscopy with a coat hanger. The X at 105.9. Thanks to the captain, Sidney Crosby, for joining me. Always a pleasure to talk to Sid, and uh, I have no doubt he will come through big against Philadelphia and in this year's playoffs. we got uh, Coach Mike Sullivan on at 5.30, so Penguins fans, please do stay tuned. The score at halftime at the Etihad is Manchester City 1, Liverpool nil. Liverpool lead 3-1 on aggregate. Well, I was uh, talking to Sid. Man City hit the post, had a goal rolled out for offside, and... Uh, Probably should have got a penalty. Questionable tackle in the box by Andrew Robertson. But, uh, hey, it's game of inches, so one nothing at half. Uh, I'm still nervous and pessimistic. And, uh, well, I guess we could say normal service has been resumed. I want to talk more about that series in 2012. As you heard Sidney Crosby say, there's really no connection between that series and this series. There just isn't. Uh very few players are left on both teams. Only three on the Penguins, namely Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. And yeah, the Penguins made the Flyers blow up emotionally. I'm not sure what then has to do with now. And let's not forget, the main factor in the Pens losing that series was Marc-Andre Fleury had a very bad series. That was the worst Fleury probably ever played. His goals against in that series was 4.63, his save percentage was .834. In terms of how rattled the Penguins got then, like I said, only three guys are left from those Penguins, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. And these last three years, well, gee, you know, those guys don't seem to get rattled very much these days. 
And the reason the Penguins got rattled back then was Dan Bilesma, the coach. Whenever the Penguins played Philadelphia or Boston, Bilesma was very quirky. He always wanted the Penguins to out-hit the other team. Bilesma wanted the Penguins to beat Philadelphia and Boston at their own game. He wanted to out-physical the Flyers and Bruins, and that's really stupid. That's the Penguins game. Excuse me, the Flyers and Bruins game and not the Penguins. So Bilesma chose the wrong approach for his team and had no plan B once the Penguins lost their heads or way to reel the Penguins in once they lost their heads. I have no doubt Mike Sullivan is better equipped to handle a like situation should it arise, but uh, I just don't think it will. 412-333-9939. I was talking earlier about Odell Beckham Jr. showing up for the Giants OTAs. Bunch of people on Twitter said, I said OBJ could learn from OBJ. I misspoke. What I meant was that uh, Le'Veon Bell could take a note from Odell Beckham Jr. because showing up for OTAs, even as you try to negotiate a long-term contract extension, because you're underpaid, uh, that says a lot to the fans. It says a lot to your teammates. And it takes the pressure off you to get things resolved and puts it on the team. Uh, Lev Bell, obviously, by missing everything last year and looking as if he'll miss everything this year, is putting all the pressure on himself, all the bad light on himself, all the negative PR on himself. If I were Le'Veon Bell, I'd show up for something. Or maybe I'd show up a little earlier when I finally do get to training camp. And I'll say again, because I've said before, certainly, uh, Lev has no obligation to show up. He's not under contract. He's not signed the tender. But boy, what a bad bedside manner. There's a guy who knows how to play the game of football, but does not know how to play the PR game. Your thoughts on the uh, OBJ situation as compared to the Bell situation. Obviously, the Bell situation is status quo. Uh, Here's uh, some hockey news. Barry Trotz uh, of the Washington Capitals, their coach, says his backup goalie will start game one in their opening round series against Columbus. Philippe Grabauer will start instead of Braden Holtby, who, who won the Vezina Trophy a couple of years back and has never played well in the playoffs, not against the Penguins. The Penguins have always seemed to have Holtby's number. Then again, the Penguins, with all that talent, have had a lot of goaltenders' numbers. Uh, Holtby had a rotten regular season. Grabauer got a lot of net down the stretch. He played well. So it's Grabauer instead of Holtby. That's gutsy. But Trotz is in the last year of his deal. Even if he gets fired, well, not fired, but doesn't get renewed, uh, Trotz will have plenty of job opportunities. He's a great coach. So uh, I think he's doing the right thing. Do what you think is right, even if it's a gamble to the outside world. When When a goalie never wins and you replace him with a different goalie, is that really a gamble? That's a good question, isn't it? Uh, no word yet on the starting goalie for New Jersey, whether uh, they will stick with Corey Schneider, uh, their longtime starter, or go with Keith Kincaid, who has played the lion's share of the games recently and has done pretty well. Uh, most seem to feel it will be Kincaid 
in Gopher, New Jersey in Game 1 against Tampa Bay. Uh, Staying with the goalie theme, the Bellagio Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas has created a life-size chocolate sculpture of Marc-Andre Fleury. A life-size chocolate sculpture of former Penguin and now Las Vegas Golden Knights goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury. Equipment and all. A life-size chocolate sculpture of Fleury, which I would feel uncomfortable eating any part of. Let's go to Greg in the car. Greg, you're on with Double M. Greg was on hold for seven minutes and hung up. This is the business I've chosen. 412-333-9939. We've got Stan Saver next hour, Mike Sullivan at 530. And, of course, we have football Tourette's and the corresponding angst because Liverpool and City are about to kick it off at the Etihad. one nothing City at halftime. Liverpool lead 3-1 on aggregate. 105.9 The X. Close the door, put out the lights. No, they won't be home tonight. Still, still one nothing that Etta had. And I know I'm boring you with this, I'm probably even angering you, but I feel like I may literally throw up uh, sometime in the very near future. No quarter, brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at cwelectricalservices.com. Uh, a little golf talk. I want hockey talk, so please do call 412-333-WXDX. Patrick Reed won the Masters. And every story about him since details how he's estranged from his parents and his sister. That's a shame because, well, the reason they're estranged is because mom and dad don't like Reed's wife, Justine. Here's advice to every parent out there. If your son or daughter wants to marry Hitler, and you see this person is Hitler, but they don't, you gotta shut up and accept Hitler. And let your son or daughter figure out on their own that they married Hitler, because if it comes down to a choice, your son or daughter will almost never pick you. And Patrick Reed did not pick his uh, mom and dad and sister. He picked, in fact, uh, his wife, Justine. And who knows, maybe the parents are wrong. Maybe she's okay. Tiger Woods had no chance to win the Masters on Sunday, but I love this. But CBS showed 18 of Tiger's shots on TV during the Masters on Sunday. That was sixth most and more than 14 players who finished higher. They're not covering golf. They're covering Tiger. Boy, Tiger's going really bald, really fast. Did anybody else notice that? I mean, yikes. Let's go to Eric in Upper St. Clair. Eric, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Um, after Matt Murray's father passed, he played some lights-out hockey for about 10, 11 games there. That's correct. Uh, after the most recent concussion, I haven't really seen the same level of play from him. How long do you think his leash should be in the playoffs with the way Smith played lately? I think he should play unless he loses a limb. You really are suggesting that at some point Matt Murray, who's won the last two Cups, should be lifted 
for an AHL guy. Do you agree that Sullivan got to this position by going against popular demand, though, and putting in... No, no, this isn't popular demand. This is common sense. This is a guy who's won the last two Stanley Cups uh, and a backup who's an AHL guy. All right, well, thank you for your opinion. I mean, bro, bro, there's a big difference between lifting uh, Marc-Andre Fleury for Matt Murray when Matt Murray was the AHL Rookie of the Year and Goalie of the Year, his first year professional hockey, and lifted Matt Murray after winning two cups for a minor league guy. I mean, I mean that's fact. That's what Matt. That's what Casey DeSmith is. He's a minor league guy. I mean, he's done fine. But the Penguins now are in the same position with goaltending that just about every NHL team is. They have one good one and a clear cut backup. Let's go to John and Slippery Rock. John, you're on with Double M. Hey, what up, Big Sexy? What up, man? Hey, uh, the show's been great the last couple of days. Just wanted to say that. Um, what do you think about the goalie interference coming into the playoffs? You think this could be uh, a problem with the ambiguity and you know things get stacked up in front of the net? We got more messy goals. You think it might be a problem? Well, what do you mean with the ambiguity? You know, like the rule, the way they're looking at things, the way they're judging, they made a difference going into the playoffs. They've changed the rule a little bit. I don't think they've changed the rule. I think they've merely changed, John, who makes the final call. Isn't that right? It's going to go to the war room now as opposed to the referee on the scene looking at video. That's correct. I guess the old blind man Toronto is going to look at it, correct? That's where they're running it now? <laughs> I, I guess so, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. You know what? I'll be very blunt, John. I try not to think about that stuff and how it might influence the playoffs. How about you? Yeah, I guess not. I, 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 we're pretty damn lucky to be where we're at right now. We'll be looking maybe three cups in a row. So uh, we, we're, we're pretty we're pretty special here at Pittsburgh. We I'm, not sure, I'm not sure luck said that much to do with it. Uh, you know what I was reminded of? Thank you for the call, John. Back in that 2012 series, and I forget who scored the goal. I think it was Daniel Briere, wasn't it? Back in that 2012 series, the Penguins lost to the Flyers. Uh... I seem to recall Daniel Briere scoring a big goal that decided a game that was clearly offsides. Isn't that right? Well, that wouldn't happen now. So before we curse replay, and I'm not crazy about it, and we talk about all the time it adds to the games, and it does. Remember, it hasn't hurt the Penguins too badly. In fact, uh, I'm sure you remember just uh, in in 2016 where... uh, was that a penalty? Is this a penalty? Go in. It's in. Solid scores. Solid scores. Solid scores. Solid scores. 1-1 at the end ahead. 1-1 at the end ahead. Yes. 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 So anyway, uh, it was in 2016 when uh, Drew Ann scored that goal for the Lightning that would have given them a lead, I think, in Game 7. It was a game six at Tampa, and it got called back because offsides. Cause of the review, cause of the replay. So let's not let's not decry replay too much. It has helped the Penguins. Let's go to Kevin in the car. Kevin, you're on with double M. Hey Mark, how you doing? Terrific. Hey, what do you think about the uh, the goalie situation for Philly? It's how kind of screwed up and messed up. You think this is going to be a running gun, or you think you know Murray will be able to shut the Flyers down and we score? Well, you know, that, that's score. that's a good question, Kevin. Uh, first off, I don't think it matters a lot who's in goal for uh, Philadelphia. Do you? I think you know Elliot Morazic six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, I, I I would tend to trust Elliot more. Elliot had a good run in St. Louis 
before he's bounced around with a lot of teams. I never feel like Morozik got much done in Detroit and hasn't yet in Philadelphia either. But uh, I watch. here's what I I've been play. saying about, about the Flyers, about the way they play. See if you think this is accurate. I think the Flyers play like the Penguins, only worse. I think their style is very similar. I think it's high risk, but I don't think they have the D and the goaltending to play high risk. Do you? No, Elliot's been out of position a lot the last two games. He's been, you know, it's been kind of crazy. Well, he's only played like the last couple games. He was out for a while due to injury, you'll recall. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, I I don't know. I mean, like, if you're their coach, what what do you do? I mean, if I'm uh, Hackstall, who I think is a pretty good coach, is the Flyers coach, Dave Hackstall. I, um, I give Elliot a couple games anyway. And the only trade for Morazic, not because Elliott was playing poorly, but but solely because uh, both Elliott and Neuvert were hurt. So I, I got if I'm if I'm Haxtel, I got to treat Elliott like he's a starting goaltender and give him benefit of the doubt until he falls apart. Now, those situations we were talking about in New Jersey and Washington, I don't know how long the leash is there if you start the series with. The guy who's perceived to be and has served as the backup goalie. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Just around the corner, if I can find it, we're going to talk more about that 2012 series and one guy the Penguins have that if it does turn into an excrement show, can counterbalance what the Flyers might try. 105.9 The X.